On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is Pat Prince. Welcome to the Goldmine Podcast. Uh, I have here my closest friend in the world, Tony Truglio, who I grew up with. Um, since I've known you since I was 15, right? I think somewhere. Maybe there. even younger, possibly younger. Yeah. He is the guitarist still in uh, Liege Lord. Um, Liege Lord is still going strong. I wanted this episode to be an in memoriam to um, our closest friend, Matt Vinci, who passed away uh, in September. And uh, I wanted to do this in memoriam podcast to talk about how brilliant Matt was as a songwriter, not only a great bassist, but a magnificent songwriter. And also, I mean, he had so many different uh, great qualities as an artist. The, the, true, the true definition of an artist. A renaissance, right? A renaissance. But uh, I mean, you guys started this band, what, 1983, maybe even 82, maybe? I think we, yeah, probably 82, because I met Matt in 80, I think in 1980s when Frank met Matt. Yeah, drummer. You know, like I would go to, you know, Frank was playing with Matt and uh, another friend, Dave Pashane. And I would go to the rehearsals and I just always wanted to be in a band. And, you know, I'd, I'd sit there and just like, part of me was like, I wish I was in this band. But I don't think I was good enough in eighth grade to do that, you know. I remember you playing baseball and making the transition from yeah. an athlete to a musician. Baseball and music came a little more natural to me than yeah other things you know right but you were you were good right away and so was matt you just i don't don't think so i think you know i remember playing with some of our other friends when i was in eighth grade still and i don't think i was at that level i was behind you know and and them kind of like making me feel like i wasn't good enough sent me back practicing and that was like you know, it was like, wow, these guys don't like, I got to get to that level. And I went home and just started practicing three, four hours a day, you know? But you still seem like you had a natural inclination to play. And so, so did Matt. I mean, Matt just seemed to, he didn't play without, he played without a pick. I used his fingers probably like, uh, which I think he got from oh, pro- probably influenced by Steve Harris. If oh, I before, before that. Getty Lee. Jack Bruce, Getty Lee, Bruce, right. uh, John Paul Jones. Right. You know, he, he, I just, I remember watching the three of those guys play and being in the back of his basement and just wishing I could play with Matt. I just fell in love with the way he played, his sense of humor, you know. And yeah. that, it took a, while, a little while. They, they disbanded and I was on Matt all the time to do a metal band. And he, at first he was hesitant, like he just didn't want to be in a band. Just think about it. We not many 
people have friends since they were in, you know, freshman in high school. And um, you guys didn't even go to the same school as me, but we hung out and with the same crowd, uh, which we were probably only rock and roll heavy metal kids around maybe. Metal was taboo. <laughs> you know? Long was, hair was taboo, right? Taboo, you know. But we had our own little club. We had our own clique, you know? Right, that's true. And he started, I mean, Matt would, was uh, creative early on with animation, drawing, illustration, and I think he wrote songs from an early, like, uh, early on. Now, he was, at first, I remember he was telling me he went to go see Cheap Trick and Sticks, and, you know, he, he liked, you know, it was a gradual evolution of, uh, you know, those bands that you first turned on to, and then Led Zeppelin, and then eventually Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Cream was something Matt and I fell in love with. You know, I think Jack Bruce played a big influence on him before he'd even heard Iron Maiden. And mm -hmm. obviously, Geddy Lee, he loved Rush. And we all, we all loved the same music. We all loved, like, all that classic rock stuff. Jimi Hendrix, Cream, Zeppelin. You know, I wasn't big into the Doors until later because it was more keyboard heavy. But Matt loved all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I remember um, that's what made me switch to bass. In fact, I played guitar. Uh, Les Paul, the neck was too thick for me. So Matt was like, try the bass. And he he actually turned me on to Rush. And I was after I heard Geddy Lee, I was like, man, this is this is the instrument I need to play. Um, huge influence on all of us. You know, like Rush was an important band for us. And then you heard Steve Harris. He was like a soloist in, in a <laughs> heavy metal band. And, and, and the heavy metal we were into is not like what's heavy metal today. I mean, it's totally different, really. It was heavier, yeah. but it, there's like the early pre-stuff that we got into is more like hard rock, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... It was, um, it was had more depth, I think, Uh maybe darker subject matter and had more depth. And, it was and you know, Rob's, Rob's voice on like right. Sad Wings of Destiny, like he he was just like and, such an amazing singer, you know? If you read the lyrics to Sad Wings and, and some of the early stuff, that's where I think Matt got influenced. Um, you could read Matt's lyrics and they very much sound like a uh, something that Halford would sing. I mean... Uh, I would agree with that. The Island of Domination, all, all this, you know, genocide, tyrant, you know, stories about histor historical human, basically human history, you know, whether it was warfare or medieval times or uh, Matt read a lot. So um, his his lyrics and the thing I loved about his lyrics stayed intelligent. They never got goofy. Um, you know, they were in that sort of early Judas Priest vein. 100%. Yeah. You and know, I, like it took I was, me, I, I'd have to read them like three, four, five times to, right. you know, get the, get the point. And, you know, I wrote the first Leash Lord song, lyrics and music. And that was it because we had a little accident in the studio. I don't know if you remember that. No. I, uh, I wrote, I forgot the name of the song, but I wrote, no comfort for my pain and Andy Michaud saying no comfort for my pair. 
like, you know, an actual pear, yeah. eating a pear. And I, I'm like, I'm done. I'm never writing lyrics. <laughs> so, I don't remember that story. You know, and we, that's how the song came out. It was on our first demo tape with the cover songs to get gigs back then. The first demo tape was fantastic. Metal Forces gave it like five stars. That was the second tape because we made, in high school, we made a tape to get gigs. Yeah, yeah. Flight of Icarus, maybe Metal Gods, and the one original that we did. Right. But your first demo tape was all originals. You had sent it to Metal Forces. And Dave Reynolds, the the, uh, guy who reviewed it for Metal Forces, we we were friends with him. I don't know what happened to Dave, but he we he never resurfaced, but he pushed us and he did. He promoted the band a lot. Helped us and you know, little whatever success we had was thank you know, I would thank him and a couple other writers too, you know. Right. Now Matt dropped out for of metal for about 10 years to well more than that. Photography. Yeah, maybe 20, right? Yeah. Um, I remember having him a talk with him and told him he was thinking about doing it again. And I said, you got, you got to embrace it, man. You know, you got to embrace what you've accomplished. Um, Cause you guys accomplished a lot, man, from an early age. And the, the thing that the thing is, is that like Connecticut, we grew up in Connecticut and there was no real music scene. I think that that didn't work in anyone's favor. Right. Oh, it, it was, it was, like I said before, it was taboo. People, looked at us like, you know, hugs yeah. with long hair and the music was, it wasn't accepted. It was too heavy. It was. It, right. You know, if you had grown up in uh, New York city, you know, uh, it would have been a different story. If you had, especially if you had grown up in Britain, you know, that would have been, you know, the, the new wave of British heavy metal was uh, still going strong during that time. So. so you know, we were, we were caught in this. We weren't like docking but we weren't oh. like thrash. We, we were, right. you know. Power metal. I like to think power metal, or I, I like to think of it like Iron Maiden priest on steroids, like early. Yeah, it was too, it was too heavy for the docking crowd, but it was too melodic for the thrash crowd. Correct. Um, but still, that's what made it great. Um, it had both elements of Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Um, so, uh, you know, people hopefully are still being turned on to it. I know that you're, the band is immensely popular in Europe, uh, especially Greece and Germany. You know, in, in our niche market, you know, yeah. in that market. And, and there are a lot of people that like the 80s style. They're not, you know, I played in Helmet. And when they, I mentioned that, people don't even know who Helmet is. And Helmet gained a lot yeah. of support. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Meantime was a huge album. Um, so I want to, you know, I want to talk about Matt's songwriting brilliance. You know, I mean, let's talk about four songs. You pick them that you think were the best songs that Matt's lyrics and then you wrote, you know, the music together. And sometimes you wrote the music. Matt and, I, Matt and I had this bond with, right. like, even when he wrote something by himself, bass riff. I, he'd always come to me and I would put the guitar that I, I saw fit. And, you know, I always relied on him to tell me my stuff was cool. And I didn't find this out till years later. He basically 
he's like, I never changed. I just kind of liked it and left it. And I thought, you know, like I always relied on his, you know, like, uh, you have to tell me this is cool. Do I need to change it? He never did. And then years later, he's like, I never, I just liked it from the, from the get go. And it's, you know, we had a really, really cool music thing going on, you know, it's, yeah. He, he would give me, speaking of his artistry, he would give me, uh, you know, in the 80s, uh, a Radio Shack recorder cassette of his bass riff mm. with, and he put it in a jacket and he would draw his cartoon characters on it. There was always some type of humor involved. Right. And I would come home and listen to it and I would just try and be as creative as I can because, you know, when a bass player writes, you have to, I, I didn't want to just put power chords and you know i wanted other things and i always tried to do that with this stuff and it we just we just clicked man we had like natural we we just were comfortable with it. and one of the first songs i think you wrote was wielding iron fist right which is about lyrically about a medieval um warfare and it's very like i said the lyrics are very intelligent and it's not it's not stupid crap it's wow. it's like someone who would uh you know if you were doing a report on medieval history you might warfare you might uh write these sort of lyrics um what what is that one of the that's one of the first songs right or was it no, dark that's the first song it, it was on the demo and then it's on freedom's rise so matt wrote the intro prodigy i put the guitars and the harmonies to it and then right out of that i'm like i was inspired to write wielding iron fists i gave matt my guitar parts and he wrote those great lyrics and i still love playing that i think it's a unique song the chorus is different i think a lot of our stuff is not your typical metal stuff it moves it dances around
Then you have Dark Tale, which is kind of, it's still in that sort of medieval vein, but it has it has really nice uh, stops and like pauses and talk about time changes, has a nice tempo. Um, and that's one of the songs Dave Reynolds from Metal Forces picked as a very unique song. I think that's our first injection of a little bit of thrash into our music. You, know? you think so? I think so. I think it has a little bit of just the way it starts. It's, you know, because I, I always like that stuff. Matt eventually also, you know, I love, I still love Slayer. I, you know, I, I right. always like a lot of the heavy stuff, you know, and I think that had a little of a vibe going on where we started injecting a little bit of heavier stuff into our music. Rising higher in past the sky 
Matt had lost interest in music is that metal got kind of dumbed down with hair metal and then it got totally out of control with who could be the heaviest right and it got ridiculous people were going for one extreme or the other and it's kind of like how i kind of dropped out of the scene too we we all do to some extent right i mean i i know matt and you too we we went back to stuff that we liked earlier in our childhood we we listen to jazz. We listen to classical. I listen to all types of stuff, and I know you do too. I, yeah. I constantly practice jazz. That's how I get better on guitar. You know? But at the time, what pissed me off about the metal scene is that, and there's still people like that. They could only listen to heavy metal. That was it. It was just ridiculous um, to to be that way. You know. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things I'm at hate it because he was a creative guy man he he wanted to he wanted all sorts of creative things to come in to play so that can inspire him you know what i mean yeah i remember when i we went to a man of war concert he was like what the hell because they were just trying to play the loudest they could play and it was just it was too, too it, wasn't, it wasn't his thing and i liked a lot of their stuff they're super talented yeah. Musician. Oh, the singer's really talented. Uh, but it, it wasn't his thing. And, you know, like... He, he didn't he, like showing off. He didn't like the, you know, the Malmsteen type, you know... Well, and, and the loincloths. It was like, yeah, yeah. Know, he, we yeah all exactly. wore, early on, we wore... And all the bands did, Metallica, Slayer. We wore what Priest and Maiden were wearing. Yeah, leather jackets. Right. And then we grew out of it, and he was just not into that. You know, right. he just wanted to play music regardless of what you like you know same thing with helmet it's you know they're a heavy band that dressed t-shirts jeans shorts and you know like that's what we we became you know right and and then it's um we move on to burn my touch which is the oh. second album right, right. and so that album was really like stuff there was a lot of stuff left over from freedom drives right is some that songs, some songs was transgressor one of them? That's as I told you, that was one of my favorite that it, you met. It wasn't left over. It was something I wrote after Freedom's Rise and I brought it to Matt. You should live to regret. My last I came to break off all your bets. I hope you mind 
I thought, I, I still think, you know, we played that live still. And, you know, now we have Joe singing it. And it, I mean, like, it's so heavy live. I'd love to play that. We just played it in Texas at this uh, Hell's Heroes, which I, I wanted Matt to come to so bad because it's one of the biggest shows we'd ever played, you know? Right. There's, there's a lot of, like, different changes in there. It's, it's tricky to play. And it was Andy Michaud's last album. And, and I get, you know, I love Andy Michaud's voice, man. I still do. And I love Joe Camo's voice. Two different type of different. singers. Uh, Joe is more in the sort of Dickinson. Not not, in, not anymore. I think he, you know, like, no? we're working on, well, we, we basically have one song to finish. And Joe's. He's I mean, a little more soulful, maybe is the right word. I, I don't know. I, I almost hear him more like Rob now than, than really Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, and his own thing, like all the demos we're doing. He's just he's found his own his own niche, you know. Right. Yeah, he's he's evolved, and I know you guys are still writing songs, and that was one thing. I you know. I wish Matt was part of that for he, he is. He, he's got two songs on 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 this album, you know, that we're trying to finish and make it perfect. And you know, I work with Danny and he's in he's on my mind. Like I have to think like Matt, would Matt like this? You know, so that's kind of what we're doing. We have one more to kind of finish. So as you move to 1988, you record Master Control, you have Joe as a I'm trying to think did you okay Paul Nelson came in the band during Burn of My Touch right correct correct okay and Pete McCarthy was one album yeah one album he, le he left after Freedom's Rise both both really good guitars um so anyway Master Control what's your favorite Matt song on that record uh I love Rapture, but I think the best Leisler song is Master Control. It's my favorite. Right. And that's a that's Matt and I working together at our at our best. Children, I will live your crest. Tell me, children. 
were you guys trying to write differently or was it still that same natural feeling? You just came to each other and started I, I, I think that album's a little heavier, faster. Yeah. Uh, just a natural progression. Better production. A little better. Yeah. You know, I, I listen to it nowadays and we did the best we could with what little money we had, you know. Was that Terry Date, producer? That is Terry. Terry was referred to us by David Wayne from Metal Church. Joe Bouchard from Cloyster Cult did the second album. Oh, right. Uh, Terry did Pantera. Right? Like, if you look at his resume, it's insane. Who did the first album, Freedom's Rise? Who produced that? No one. Austin the Engineer. Right. That's why I think I can't remember who was in there. Um, yeah, Terry Date did a great job, I thought. He, he taught us a lot, but you know, we only had so much money. Right. So, you know, when you're rushing, sometimes you got to make compromises and you got to settle. Right. So that's where it's sort of, I think that might be the best song that Matt and you guys uh, collaborated on, Master Control. It just has all the, it's catchy, it's heavy, it has all the right elements. It seems to be like the fan favorite, you know? Right. And it's produced really well, it sounds great. Uh, Joe Camo sounds great on it. So tell me, something's coming out, right? A box set, or is it already out? No, no, they just reissued the uh, the vinyl. Metal Blade owns Burn of My Touch and Master Control, and they just reissued it. You know, they wanted to license, or you know, like Freedom's Rise from us, but couldn't get everyone to sign it. You know, like they wanted every member's signature. It just took too long, so they just put it up. You know. Just, oh, it's two albums, two albums that they correct that they own, so they, they right. can do whatever they want with it, right? Well, Freedom's Rise would it'd be interesting to hear what Freedom's Rise sounded like with Joe Camo singing. Well, you know, we play a few of those songs, we've done uh, I don't know if we've done Legionnaire, but obviously, Prodigy, Wielding Iron Fist, Dark Tale, Rage mm. of Angels. He sounds yep. great. I, I, I love when Joe sings those songs. You ever think about putting out a live album? Did I, you and Matt I, ever discuss that? What I wanted to do is re-record some of the you know those songs. I mean, we own Freedom's Rise, but even Burning My Touch, if we re-record them with Joe, we would own those songs. Mm. You know, but it, it's just I every mean, we're all scattered. You know, Danny's in Jersey, Joe's in Florida, Matt. In Stratford, when we made those albums. We all lived in the same town. It was easy to get together. Right. He was very proud of this new work, though. Um, I remember him telling me how he really liked the new songs. Saying, "You know, wait till you hear them." Because I still like I still like traditional metal, and you guys fall in that category. Well, uh, that's what this stuff is like. This stuff is. It could have come out in like 1990 if we put another album out. I mean, you put on classic rock stations and you hear Metallica, <laughs> Judas Priest. Yeah. You know, I mean. Well, they have to play Metallica. They're selling out stadiums. You know, they got right. to where no one would play them. And now it's cool to like Metallica. Well, side note, you and I saw them in a club on New Year's Eve where there were like six people. I mean, shows we've seen, you know? Yeah. Um, I tell people that and I think I'm lying, but uh, yeah. When I probably still have those tickets. I've never thrown any of the tickets of all those shows we went to. Oh, uh, those could sell on eBay. 
Well, they're mine to keep. I'm like it. Well, Matt was with us at that show too, but I wanted to do a podcast because our love for Matt and uh, how much he meant to us as a friend and a creative force. And I thought it'd be great if I had you on and you could pick four songs that you and him, you know, created, uh, you know, together. So I thought it was, this was a great thing to do. It's a nice that Matt also, when we put the band back together, we, looked at other songs and those are songs he wanted to do. I'm like, you know. Right. You know, he he wants the band con to continue. I know that. Um I hope this album comes out soon. Um I want to hear it. I, I think it'll come out next year sometime, you know, and I have to I have to make it tribute to Matt Vinci. Yeah, I have to make it really good because, you know, the, the thought of never looking over and seeing him to my left, it, it, it's yeah. heartbreaking, you know, it's just yeah. heartbreaking to lose, you know, we, we grew up like brothers. We've been friends. Yeah, no. And, you know, I'll miss him dearly. I've, I've had to play some shows without him and Will who filled in is fantastic. But Matt, Matt was, he's like a brother to me. He was, right. yeah, I, lo I loved him dearly. And his family yeah. took me in when I met Matt and my family took him in just yeah i know well we love you matt and keep on matt's spirit keep his spirit alive by continuing liege lord man keep his creative spirit that songwriting spirit alive and, and th thanks tone for coming on the podcast my pleasure and uh, we'll talk soon okay definitely Pat. thank you for having me achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.